Welcome to Cult America, where we discuss the weird, wonderful, and worrying rituals and sacrifices that make America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult that is America. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, a migrant who bought into the cult from afar. We gave Samori too comfortable a chair. He didn't even bounce along. I'm about to go to sleep. Samori, <laughs> it's nap time for this man. It's over. <laughs> too many carbs bro too many carbs. how you doing carl yo had a had a very uh interesting week with my body <laughs> that was last week's episode i know <laughs> i know so so now i'm back i'm feeling good i'm healthy uh yeah you know i'm just chilling how are you lise i'm good i'm good i'm hungover today all right so i'm just gonna jump right in america or cult they're obsessed with making money America. Yeah. Yeah, it is America. I'm two for two. <laughs> I'm two for two, baby. I mean, the thing with the America cult is it's always both. It's always both. <laughs> We're going to talk about a cult that was obsessed with making money, though. Um, have you ever heard of Rajneesh Param? Nah. It's a cult that was based in Oregon. Okay. Uh, well, actually, it started in India, but um, around this, like, figure... It's very complicated, and I tried to, like, distill it into a short beginning of the episode conversation, and I fully cannot do that. Yeah. So, I am just going to share a few facts about it. So, basically, it was started by this Indian dude. Like, he had this really lucrative sort of, like, cash business selling the product of spiritual healing in India. And they managed to sell enough of it kind of, like, around India, along with, like, people selling their possessions and whatnot, that they were able to buy this like ranch in Oregon in a place called Antelope. Antelope. Yeah. So it was an empty sort of town. So the nearest town was Antelope. They brought this rural property. Antelope had a population of 60 people. Mm -hmm. And so they basically like gentrified it, but like it's a bunch of like Indian people and like people of color and migrants and all these people like totally took over this like, white rural oregon town oh wow (laughs) and so i was watching it i'm like white people are like it when you do this to them yeah (laughs) these people like they came into our community yeah they brought in people to vote they ran for government how how could they i mean so anyway figure around this guy called rajneesh obviously i mean maybe that's not obvious but that was his name um and just to throw out some money numbers for you so he sold a fresh beginning course for twenty five hundred dollars. Wow. Movement therapy was twenty one hundred. What year was this? Uh this is back in the eighties. Wow. That was a lot of money back yep, then. Yep, yep. Um he had a G hypnotherapy basic course was five thousand five hundred and a rebalancing course was seventy five hundred. So, you know, he was making his money and then they had this huge festival in 1982 the seven-day festival cost 509 dollars uh for a place in a four-person tent or 1800 if you wanted a room in the hotel by yourself yep i think they ended up bringing in like 10 million dollars from that festival wow so the estimated amount is between 1981 and 1985 130 million dollars came into the ranch yo so <laughs> These guys were good. And they were not just making money in America. They were making money all over the world selling like this shit. These guys are making more money than Bunny Ranch. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. 
so there was a bio terror attack in the local neighborhood where they like basically uh, like wait wait uh, wait 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 you said that mad smooth <laughs> a bio terror attack yeah they like that is not anything you just say <laughs> you know they basically put salmonella into salad bars in wasco county to try and like Whoa. take people out so they couldn't vote in the election wow Anyway, the prominent figure in this community, which is really interesting, is this uh, woman called Sheila, who ended up trying to kill Rajneesh, like the prominent figure. So I was going to say, if you want to learn about this cult, you should watch this Netflix series. It's called Wild Wild Country. And that's like, it's like a 10 part series. So like, I cannot at all. But I want to say this quote by Sheila because it's so good. You tell your governor, your attorney general, and all the bigoted pigs outside. You tell your governors, you tell your attorney general, and all your bigoted pigs outside. They touch any of our people. I will have 15 of their heads, and I'm in business. The way she says it, she's just like so matter of fact. And the other thing that they did is they were bringing homeless folks up from other places in Oregon. Yeah. Feeding them, cleaning them up, whatever, just so they could vote in the elections. So they're like, come live with us. We'll take care of you. But vote for men's. Yeah, but you got to vote for our people. Vote for men's. So that's the story of Rajneesh. I, I just like, I just think it's very, it's just kind of ridiculous. Raj. And so the cult behavior today is the group is preoccupied with making money. Okay. So I'm this part is, of that cult. You you are certainly part of that cult. Yeah, that that's my cult. Mm. Yeah, baby, I'm Rajneesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, this is your shit. I'm excited is, for today's episode. Yeah, this is my shit. Like, I've studied money for a really long time. Look, I didn't know it was illegal, and ignorance of the law is not an excuse. But when I was nine, <laughs> when I was nine, I wanted a bike, a Royce Union freestyle bike. It's very specific. It, it was silver body, and it had gold pegs. It was a freestyle bike. It cost it costed two hundred and ten dollars at the time. A lot of money. I asked my dad, "Hey, Dad, I, I would like this bike. Can you get it for me?" He said, "No, you have to make your own money. You have to make money." And I said, "Okay, cool." And I had some first communion money left over. And in Catholicism, around like third grade, you're like eight. You have your first communion, and a bunch of folks like give you money at your first communion reception party so i had some first communion reception party money left over Mm. um so i was like okay cool so like i gotta make money so i gotta figure out how i'm gonna make money so i took the first communion reception money and i put it in a printer and i made more money out of it and i went to my dad and i said can you take me to Toys R Us so we could buy the bike. And he said, where'd you get the money from? And I told him I made it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just completely silent because I'm dying. I I told him I made it. Did it work? Did the money work? The money came out. Like It came out on paper. I cut it. I cut it. Like, did you buy the bike or they, they no, no, my dad, my dad looked at me like I was fucking nuts. He was like, yo, what the (laughs) hell is wrong with you? You can't do that. I was like, you told me to make money. I just made money. (laughs) Like, what do you want? And that was like the beginning of conversations about money between me and my dad. 
Wow. Probably like a year later after that, he like uh, introduced me to the Wall Street Journal. He was reading it himself and I asked him what he was reading and he was like, this is where like all this is where people talk about money in society. And I was like, OK, so I want to know what's going on because I want what I want money, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, I want money. Um, so I started reading like the journal around like 10 or 11 years old. We yeah. grew up real different. We've we've spoken about this before. Like yeah. my parents, we were quite like financially insecure and my parents never spoke to me about like it was like a topic we never spoke about and so i had no fucking idea like what to do with money i'm terrible with it last time my dad visited he sat down with me he's like yo we're so fucked you need to save money now you need to save all your money now and i was like oh i'm not inheriting wealth he's like no you're inheriting nothing yo yo start saving you're like damn you're telling me this shit now The fuck? Dad, you couldn't tell me this fucking 15 years ago. I, I would have made different decisions. <laughs> I have nothing. I have no money. <laughs> so I just, my experience of money growing up is just, I didn't have it. That yeah. was it. Like yeah. we couldn't have shit. That's it. Yeah. That was my relationship. With yeah. Growing money. up, my parents, my parents made me very cognizant of the money we didn't have and the money we did have. And like, there's this very like subtle things, especially like in black culture, in ways that people tell you whether they have money or not. So like, you'll say, hey, I would like McDonald's. And your mom would say, either we got McDonald's at home or do you have McDonald's money? Right. And those those are two ways that you either like have to figure out that you need to have your own money Mm -hmm. or you have to realize that you have to actually change your habits in order to save money. Mm -hmm. Because when she says you got McDonald's at home, that means she cooked and you need to eat what's at home. Yeah. Right. Um, So there were these small things that my parents would do growing up that made me cognizant of money. And as I started reading the journal and like really starting to make sense of like what these people are talking about in here, part of like my journey with it was really trying to turn it into something very tangible. Mm. So like, you know, I would read about like businesses that like, like movie theaters, like this box office hit came out or whatever. And like it sold X amount of millions in tickets. Right. And I'm like, okay, great. Like I'm selling DVDs at school in high school. And I'm like, all right, like I need to print copies of this movie into disc and sell it. <laughs> so basically you're being run around doing illegal shit. Whoa, for money. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> scratch this. <laughs> we can't scratch it. But but yeah, like I was You're I was, a kid, you're a kid. Yeah, I was a kid. Sorry. I was selling DVDs fault. and I was like, all right, cool, like we're gonna <laughs> I'm selling DVDs. I'm a fucking kid. I want to buy cool shit. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to sell DVDs, you know? Oh Um, my God. But what it really taught me was like the tangibility, right? Like Mm. that there are things that you can do to earn and that the changes you make actually affect environments. Mm. Um, And I went to school with like people from like high socioeconomic status, right? So um, there are a lot of people who didn't necessarily... Like, they looked at me really weird for, like, being a business person Mm. in high school. Mm. 
they were consumers, of course. They were like, word, like, you know, there would be some boys be like, yo, my, my parents won't let me watch porn. You got any porn? And I'd be like, I'll print that for you. Like- <laughs> it reminds me, have you ever seen um, House of Lies? Uh, no. Oh, you would love that show. It's so good. It's uh, on Showtime with uh, Don Cheadle. Yeah, yeah, Don yeah. Cheadle, yeah. And his son, like, at some point starts selling, like, purses and shit. Yeah. And he just walks into his son's room. He sees, like, massive water cash. He's like, you can't do this. It's illegal. <laughs> but, like, it's good entrepreneurship, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like, you can't be that mad. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta respect Did your it. parents know you were selling DVDs? No, they didn't. Do they know now? Um, uh, my parents probably know now oh, maybe you- they'll find out when they hear this episode <laughs> either way like my dad was buying dvds because my uncle was the one that would get the files mm. so he would burn them to enjoy himself mm. not to sell mm. basically my dad would just like he would just keep buying these blanks but like he wouldn't get new movies at a quick enough pace to finish the blanks. Mm-hmm. So I guess he, we, so we, in my bedroom, we just had a bunch of blanks because my bedroom is where we had uh, the computer. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so like I have free resources here. I have these free blank DVDs. They're not free. <laughs> Your tax <laughs> Well, I'm not paying for them. <laughs> so they're free for this business. This is a government subsidized <laughs> it is a government subsidized (laughs) business right so like i was taking my dad's dvds i was i was burning movies that people wanted right after my dad would burn his one that Mm. he needs for the house i would go and i would burn like 12 or 13 sell them (laughs) at school people would buy them like so my dad took over this supermarket when i was like uh, 12, let's say. So he had a he had a video rental as part of it. So we used to get preview DVDs. Like yeah. we used to get them before they came out. Yeah. You would have like, you would have like made a min with Wait, that. That's check, like before they came out on DVD. But check this out. I was getting those. Oh, really? I was getting the joints that said like- Yeah, like this is a preview. Boom. It would say like, this is only for private consumption. Yeah. Like those, like the ones that like, it's not out yet, but you get the pre Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the pre-screens. Oh, okay. I was out here, Lisa. <laughs> I was out here. And like what I was doing was I was like, like I was using- the DVD money to then invest in other businesses that people <laughs> liked in school. So like, so like people in school really love to roll dice. Just roll dice? <laughs> like roll dice, like yeah. gamble. Yeah. So like in our school, we had like, um, we had deans and um, we had hall monitors. So you had a dean and you had a hall monitor. So the dean would walk around, but the hall monitors were always in the hall. Snitches. Um, basically snitches. Basically what I did was I used money to create a system. So what I did was I was like, yo, if you're going to play dice and you want to play dice safely and not get caught and get kicked out, you got to pay the fee to roll dice. But the <laughs> fee to roll dice would be a certain amount, right? And then, but the fee to roll dice goes to pay people to guard the bathroom door (laughs) and to pay the hall monitors you know what i'm saying we just cannot like i just we just grew up like never like look i'm a i'm definitely a shortcut person in the way but i just never ever thought about a like money ever or applied it to anything i never I never thought, I think because I was working, but I was working to support the family. Like I was working in the family business. So I was already like working a lot. 
But like, it's just but like mind boggling to me. I'm like, of course, like, of course it's what you were doing in school. Yeah. <laughs> like I would read about stuff in a paper. Like I would. So like, that's where I got the inspiration from. <laughs> I was reading the wall street journal and there was like a, a story about bribery. Mm-hmm. There was a story about bribery. <laughs> like, that sounds great. There was I'm a story about bribery and how like there was a company, there was a company that went um to to this corrupt country or whatever, mm-hmm. and like was paying public officials or whatever. And, you're you know? like, that and then this company great. had gotten fined. They had gotten fined <laughs> for it. And I was like, oh shit! Like I was like, oh shit! Like we got these hall monitors, motherfuckers love rolling dice. We get in trouble all the time. Why can't I just reapply this in school <laughs> and just pay? motherfuckers to just guard the doors and like did you ever get taught for a court for any of this so like so what happened was <laughs> i never got caught yeah like i never got caught but people would get in trouble or people would get like people never got caught rolling dice mm. but like it would always be funny when the when a dean would walk in a bathroom and see like five people to a stall like all the stalls are full all at once in the bathroom on our weird like random third period it's like why are all y'all in the bathroom you know what i'm saying why are all y'all peeing now you know and it's like because we had a really good system so like in the system like people would send so like if you guarding a hall you had to have the number of the person guarding the door yeah and if a dean was coming down the hall you had to text one to the person guarding the door <laughs> And if you texted one, then that person got the number and they'd be like, yo, Dean coming. Everybody hit, everybody pee. You don't even text Dean coming. Just in case, just, just text you one. You just text one. <laughs> you just text one. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, so so motherfuckers is probably looking at their phones and they just see ones on that <laughs> shit. <laughs> they, just, they see ones on their shit, but... But like that's how we were able to like never get caught rolling dice. But but like <laughs> but what okay rolling dice? Explain that to me. Like you so just like, roll dice. So so what you do? So there's three dice. Yeah. And what you have to do is you have to match two numbers on one dice, and then the third number on the third die is your number. And you every do this, every it's die gambling. goes up to yeah. Every die goes up to six. Yeah. So like so if you get a double four and a six, you score the six. Six is the highest you could get. Uh-huh. But like you could also get um, what they call four, five, six. If you get that recurring number, that's actually higher than just scoring a six. Or if you score triples, like if you got the same number three times on the die, that also was considered like a really high number. Okay. So, so it's like Yahtzee, but with money. It's like Yahtzee, but with, <laughs> yeah, with money. <laughs> and, and like I wasn't constantly rolling dice, but I had this system going. So like I'd be in class and people are rolling dice all over the school, all over every bathroom. <laughs> well, not every bathroom, but the boys' bathroom. The girls never rolled dice. I don't know why they didn't roll dice, but the boys was rolling dice. <laughs> so every boys' bathroom, every grade, people were rolling dice and it was paying the entry fee to roll dice. And like I always had a person like that I was really cool with that like was the house. So like he was rolling for the house. Yep. So, and he was just in my. So crew. you had an underground gambling ring at school. In high school. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you did. It's just all like hilarious and unsurprising. But I learned all of this by learning about money in this newspaper. Who also, knew a Wall Street Journal could be yeah, so dangerous to give yeah, your child? Your right? dad's like, I'm gonna teach you about the world, and you're like, I'm gonna see how to exploit it. Or just this is the world. <laughs> this is the world. It's true. Right? It's hard to tell if it's like age, or if it's. 
if it's the country, but you do have to think more about money here. I feel like yeah. I think in Australia, cause we have like social security is not great, but we have like the things like healthcare covered. Whereas here it's like, Oh, like I'm fucked. Like we're fucked. Yeah. If, if anything happens, I do feel like it's been more front of mind. And I don't know if it's because I'm a migrant with less like, no, I would say that, um, padding, but I feel like America is very like money focused country. It is. It is. It definitely is. Um, and at a very young age, there's different ways that you show that you have money. Mm. When you're younger, you just have certain clothes. Mm. And because you have certain clothes, people could tell whether you had money or not. Mm. Or like if you're like five or six and your parents could afford to like have your birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese versus having your birthday party at home. Mm. Right. Like those were like very subtle things that made you aware about money and status. Mm -hmm. These things mattered at a very, very young age. So you grow up actually wanting things. What ends up happening to a lot of folks is because they don't go to therapy, they grow up trying to live what they wanted in their childhood, Mm. right? Like they start buying all the things they wanted or they try to find, you know, newer versions of that thing and it becomes part of their identity. But, But it's weird because you know, you also find that people of like different types of status, not to not to throw a blanket statement on them, but really just like people of higher socioeconomic status tend to be like a little bit more entitled, a little bit you more narcissistic, <laughs> a little more self-oriented. Right. And sometimes, you know, they'll behave you know, unethically and and Um, in terms of self-interest. So it's like weird. Yeah. Um, We've been seeing that like with all of these shows, like this inventing Anna. And it's funny because I was like watching inventing Anna and people like, how did people not realize she didn't have money? And I'm like, every person that I've met who's like properly like wealthy here has been cheap as shit. Like they're like super well off, totally fine. And like, they always just like don't have their wallet. Yeah. Or they just can't pay. I'm like, you have way more money than me. Yeah. You're just, how do you... This is all old money people. Yeah. New money people, generous. But old money people are very cheap. And I can totally see how could she could have pulled this whole thing mm-hmm, off. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird dynamic, you know. And, and obviously, there's always been a beef between old money and new money people. Mm. Because, like, old money people believe that new money people don't have class. And, like, new money people just feel like old money people only care about their own society and don't want to let new people in. But also what's right? class? Because like being cheap is not classy in my opinion. Being cheap isn't classy at all, mm. but maybe from their perspective, it's context, right? Mm. So it's like, sure, like I'm not going to go and buy this really gaudy off-white thing that says off-white really big on it because that's tacky, right? Um, versus a person with new money would buy it because it's, because Virgil Abloh is like one of the greatest designers of our time, right? So like it's contextual, I would mm. say. But mm. that cheap shit is never cute. No, and- but like a dinner and stuff. I'm talking about like oh, and this is an interesting question for you. And I cuz I've seen it on Twitter a lot recently, splitting the check. Yeah, like I don't split checks. No, um, I'm not a split check person either. I am like yeah. a rounds like I'll buy you dinner. You buy me dinner. I buy you dinner or split it down the middle. If you want to split it, not like itemized. Yeah. I don't split checks. I just take turns. Yeah. So like I'll say, okay, great. Like I got it this time. You got it next time. Yeah. Like, you I think know? it's a good way to be. So I'll just do But that. I was like, I was really taken aback because it's been on Twitter a lot lately. Well, Twitter just People- has a lot of weird conversations. They have like $200 dates. 
which is like weird. Do you guys go out and pay $200 for a date? Why would I pay $200 for a first date? And I'm like, have y'all been to New York? <laughs> <laughs> like $200 for a first date is standard. You mm. know what I mean? Like that's just what it is. It's actually probably not a great date. To be honest, if you're only paying $200 a date, it's probably not all that. We could. There are some places you can definitely go. I mean, brunch, you could do $150, $200 brunch. That would be pretty nice. I feel like you can go on some nice dates in New York for less than 200. I went on one last night. Okay. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I just like really nice places. Yeah. Like and Bougie and of bitch. course if I'm going yeah, and of course if I'm going <laughs> on a date, mm. I'm trying to impress my date. So I'm like, I'm going to take you somewhere really really nice. You know, the design of the locate like the location design is going to be nice. Like the food, the dishes are going to be nice. They're going to use really nice forks, probably crate and barrel type forks. Like yeah. I'm going all out because like you my date. Yeah, Shorty? yeah, I feel you. You know, like, um, no, that would make me incredibly uncomfortable. But that's why we're not. That's why we don't date. You know. Yeah, you know. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, okay. What are you expecting from this? But Nothing. I did go on a work Just a dinner. Good time. I did go on a work dinner with two other people. So it was me, my boss, and someone else. Yeah. And that was like, what, $1,200 for three people? Jesus. That's what I'm saying. And New it's, York is and crazy. And it's a work dinner. And it's a work dinner. It's oh, yeah, we went dinner. all out, though. Yeah. We're like, it's the end of your dinner. That was like our end of your shit. You we're know what like, I'm saying? let's I've go. Been to We're going to order the fucking lobster. Let's do it. Yeah, I've been to many dinners where it's just like three, four people. And we're just like, yo, we're just getting what we like. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like people is getting stuff. And then you look at the bill and it's, you know, $1,300, dollars $1,400. And you're like, all right, cool. So there was like, I think it was in a movie. It was like in a Wall Street movie. So Wall Street people actually started doing this. But I don't know if this was oh, life. Oh, the roulette imi- thing? Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it was life imitating art or art imitating life. I'm not sure. All I know is I got rouletted like my <laughs> second year. <laughs> I got rouletted my Fuck. second year. I was How like, much was the bill? Like the bill was like nine hundred dollars, and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> That's some insane. I was like, "This shit, shit is half my rent, damn near." <laughs> like this is crazy. I couldn't. I could not do that. Yeah, I would be fucked. I'd be calling you, <laughs> yo, you Carl. I'm like, damn. You gotta Lisa. sell me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, damn, Lisa. I yo, but just let you know, I'm still running a business, so I'm gonna put some interest on this. <laughs> I used to do that too to my friends when I was a kid. You would I would lend them money, the money and I would tell them they have to pay interest. <laughs> so like I'd be like, yo, so like a friend would be like, yo, let me borrow twenty dollars. And I'd be like, ah, right, you gotta give me twenty-five back. You gotta give me twenty-five back. <laughs> and they'll be like, Yeah, cool, I got you. And I'm like, alright, here. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> like, You're like I was like the pay. only person <laughs> doing that type of shit. I was like, like, the only person, you gotta give me 25 back. You need it, right? Like, you need it, right? You know? (laughs) Here's one thing I'm certain of. If I ever come into a large amount of money, you're in charge of it. I'll pay you. I'm just like, you're the the, the opposite of me. I never think about money, and I always have none of it, because I never think about money. Like, I was making like... $1,500 $1,500 a month the first two years I lived here. Yeah. And I would like pick up the check. And I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? You don't have any money. Yeah. yeah. Like, just, what the fuck? It's just like YOLO. And it's, and it's weird because like as much as we talk about money, 
in America. We also don't talk about specifics about money. So like it's still taboo to tell somebody your salary. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Try to break that. Yeah. I tell people and all like the time. and like a lot of relationships, people aren't talking about money either. You know, it's like a weird situation. Like I think now in this generation, we're starting to break that. But it used to be a kind of a thing. Like you never ask a woman her age. You never ask a man his salary. And like mm-hmm. that was also like internal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I think I I I grew up watching my parents talk about money with each other. Um, and I grew up watching my mom manage the money for the house. So like my dad would get paid. He would he would get paid in a joint account Mm. and then my mom would buy groceries and do all that other stuff with that money and then like whatever was left over she would give it to my dad after like she took savings and stuff Mm. from it and my dad would like he had an allowance he would yeah my dad would then go and buy blank dvds (laughs) and you would (laughs) see how the economy works (laughs) (laughs) this is the economy Because there were there no you know what it was it's fun like it was fun for me it was like playing Sims mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like it was like playing Sims like let me just see if this shit would work you know what I mean like motherfuckers want movies yo <laughs> yo yo old word we're like, all just your puppets is like, that what you're saying well, not that's puppets, what I'm hearing but not puppets but it's just it's just all experimental because mm. you're like testing tastes Mm. right you're testing wants and needs so like you know you're hanging out with your friends or you're hanging out at the lunch table and you're hearing about guys who are saying yo man like i just want to see how her clothes off she i know she look good and i'm like what if i sold movies to guys with women with their clothes off like you know what i'm saying which is not like in high school that's the way you think as a grown man i'm like you are disgusting carl <laughs> but like as, in high school i was like yo like motherfuckers probably want to watch porn and they can't because they probably got internet blocker mm-hmm. like you know what i'm saying their parents probably monitor the way they navigate the internet so they can't visit certain sites so what if i just gave them dvds that they could just watch when their parents weren't home. You know what I'm saying? All right, cool. And I'm going to sell that for 15 Even <laughs> though I'm selling the regular movies for 10 I'm going to sell that for 15 Because that's the triple X. And you know what time it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um. So, like... and and But the thing is, I was like, let me try it. And people bought it. And people bought it, right? Yeah, of course and they then, did. They're freaking teenage boys. Yeah, of course they're going to buy it. But then things got interesting. That's why, I don't know, like, my relationship with money is very different because then people started selling DVDs. Other people. Other people started selling DVDs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, like, people are trying to compete in this space because they see that there's a lot of money being made here. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's what so happens. So, wait, how much money did you make? I'm I was very making curious. a lot of money. How I was, much is a lot? Like, like, I was making probably, I was selling about 12 to 13 dvds a day what the fuck um and that's a zero cost business you weren't spending anything so it's i was making profit. like i was making like i was making over a hundred dollars a day <laughs> fuck me. you know what i'm saying but check this out least but check this out that's before the gambling stuff the gambling stuff was a different thing how much did you make the, the gambling, gambling stuff they would vary because like you know there were days where people gambled a lot and mm. there were days where people barely gambled at all right mm-hmm. so that was that was like as consistent 
but and also there was just so many costs involved like i had to pay so many people and <laughs> it just it just got weird i would say that it was like my way of giving back right because you're like all right cool like i'm making all this money selling dvds this gambling business is probably running at like a small profit maybe not too much but nonetheless like people are having fun so like i'm gonna just keep this shit going anyway and i'm paying other people people my friends they're getting paid you know some people i knew couldn't buy lunch but this gambling thing that i was paying them for was giving them lunch money yeah you know what i'm saying so that was good like it was, i was doing a public good even though it was <laughs> with through your gambling. illegal gambling right <laughs> yeah even though it was through gambling so like but this is the interesting thing things got interesting right because because people really started noticing all right carl is like moving a lot of dvds so like other people started selling DVDs and other people started selling other things like snacks and shit. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening, I was like, oh shit, like, all right, people are selling DVDs. What am I going to do? Because I don't really want to be out here competing now. So I was like, okay, great. I would go to the people selling the DVDs that were competing and I'd ask them, yo, like what movies y'all got? And they would say, yo, I got this movie. I got that movie. Who's your plug? Like, are you getting all the lit movies? Because like, I'm going to crush you with the lit movies. And they were like, yeah, bro. Like, I know, you, I know you've been holding it down, but I want to make moves too. And I'm like, all right, cool. How about this? How about I be your DVD supplier? And you pay me $5 per DVD. And I could do that because I get my DVDs for free. Yeah. So, so I was like, yo, like, I'll give you five dollars like I'll, I'll give you dvds for five and you could sell them for whatever you want actually because <laughs> i don't care anymore because now now i now i'm a dvd supplier yep you see so like it, it's an experiment i wanted to see if people would do it and people did it and i was <laughs> supplying dvds to all the sellers of dvds in school so now you know what that taught me that taught me wholesaling I just don't even, I have nothing, I have nothing to contribute to this episode. <laughs> I was going to sit here and just lose my shit laughing. It was, it was a great lesson because it taught me how. They're doing school completely wrong. I wish this was school for real. <laughs> in all honesty, like, in all honesty, like this should have been school for everyone. Mm-hmm. This is what school should have been. Like people should have been taught how, because like, you know, we took economics in high school. Mm-hmm. Like they, the way they taught economics was just so fucking technical, mm-hmm. right? That like people didn't learn anything. They just like learned the formulas and mm-hmm. then kept it moving. But like actually learning supply and demand, understanding like how to get product market fit, like all of this type of shit. Like like I learned that in real time, mm. right? Just by adjusting to my environment. And this is why, like, people say, like, drug dealers actually could be Fortune 500 CEOs. Because that's what they're doing. They're adjusting to real market conditions. Drug dealers, it's not an easy thing to do well. It's not. Yeah. You know? And not only you have to be smart, but you have to understand market conditions. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand how to, you know, build relationships. So, a family member of mine was, up until very recently, dealing drugs and it was like kind of hard to be mad at him because the place where he lives, it was really hard for him to find work that was like at his level. Yeah. And, you know, he probably has some like neuroatypical, like he's probably not neurotypically like, you know, a school person. Yeah. And so for him to get out of his situation, but he was making fuckloads of money and he was really good at it. And I'm like, 
I'm not like encouraging you, but also like, I'm not like that mad. Like, yeah. like he's but- like, Hey, I'm dealing drugs. I'm like, so you're an entrepreneur. That's great. <laughs> I have nothing else. Don't get caught. Don't, don't take the product. But, but like, it's yeah. not, it's not like an easy thing. And oftentimes in like small towns and stuff, it's like one of the best ways to make money. It's, it's, it just shows you that if we had like a better allocation of resources mm-hmm. in countries that, you know, people with true talent would be able to succeed. Like the way our, our education system is structured, which is absolutely not for me, is we want factory workers effectively. They want people who are compliant and who like do things in a way like this. And that's people, for money reasons. And unless too. Yeah. exactly, I didn't grow up poor, poor. Like when we were younger, I was much poorer, and then like we kind of grew as I grew. But like, had I not met rich people, I would have really struggled to work in the level of society at which I was. I was, I guess, assigned at birth. You know what I mean? Like where I was, the strata that I was at, like I'm very smart, but like I would have, I wouldn't have been able to, to adjust to that because it it just kills me. Like doing that kind of work kills me. But it's so funny that like someone like, you know, this family member is in this small town, doesn't have a lot of opportunities, ends up being a drug dealer. Whereas someone with that same level of ingenuity in a fucking rich, like in a fucking rich he school, fucking done would have well killed it because they yeah. only want entrepreneurs and these people who have these mindsets who are rich. And if you're yeah. not rich and you think like that, society punishes you. Right. Like, and so it's just crazy to me. And like, it's slightly better here than it is in Australia, for example. Like, there's more places to go. I, I feel grateful that I had access to rich people to be like oh i can actually use this skill set in an entrepreneurial way yeah and and you know that this whole idea of educating everyone in certain ways i think stems from this idea of neoclassical economics Mm. right where when you industrialize a society what you do is you file you value their worth based on their talents and and their abilities and you just tie that up into pay Mm. and like the father of that was really um adam smith right because what he did was he he created this concept of division of labor we before that we used to have one person who did everything right so you had a guy who was a blacksmith and what he did was like he went pulled the iron ore from the earth then Mm. went refined it then went designed it then went whatever right and like that start to finish was such a long process. And Adam Smith was like, what if we just said, we just got a guy that pulls it out the mm. earth. We got a guy that does this. We got a guy that does that. Mm. We split the labor up. Not only it'll cost less because um, it'll be more efficient, mm. right? But then on top of that, um, you get to also limit the power of each person in the chain, Right. Because like one person only knows how to do one thing. So they can't be the boss and because they don't know the entire system. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's actually like so obviously like season one of Sweet Bitter, we talked about Sappho's in ancient Greece. And in ancient Greece, somebody who could only do one thing was like a lower classman. Like it yeah. was actually like a poor thing if you only knew how to do one thing really well. And yeah. now as a society, we've completely changed that. And so for people like me, like I'm a generalist. I love to know lots about lots of things. I like to, to do the whole process of whatever I need to do. Right. Yeah. And the society like completely is against that. Like they're like, no, 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 you need to specialize. I'm like, why? Yeah. yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, I, I don't know if you follow this on TikTok, but like there's been this rise of like people with ADHD or non-neurotypical 
And my psychologist tried to diagnose me with ADHD and I was like, I don't see how this is benefiting anybody. Like, I know exactly yeah. what journey you're taking me on. You're probably right. But like, it, my opinion on it is just like, yes, but like, what is neurotypical? Yeah. We've just decided neurotypical is the people who fit into this industrialized system. So it's not that necessarily that there's something wrong or that I have like a disorder. It's that society has said, this type of person will succeed in this society. Yeah. And this type of person they don't fit into what we want. And yeah. so they have a condition like they have ADHD, yeah. they have whatever. And I just think it's really interesting that this has like now become this big wave of people being like, Oh shit. Well, it's I about just, efficiency. Yeah. I like, just, you know, rich, you're, you're people, rich people run societies mostly and yeah. it, and rich people believe in efficiency. When you're in a higher socioeconomic status, like you're, everything's about efficiency because you want to save time because you know that time is money to you. Right. And you're like, okay, so how do we standardize what we're trying to do here? Like, how do we standardize the creation of workers? Well, they got to fit a certain model. Then we're going to crunch them into a certain type of education system. The ones that excel the best under our standards, we're going to pick them and put them somewhere else. The ones who don't, well, then they'll have either have conditions or we'll just make them figure it out mm. after that. Mm. And maybe they'll end up in jail. Yep. You know what I mean? And then they're under jail. They'll do 25 years or whatever. And then that's the end of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what you do is when you create a structure like that, you also economize the rest of the structure, mm -hmm. right? So you're like, okay, cool. There's going to be a number of people who aren't going to do well in our standards. So since they're not going to do well and they're probably going to suffer in the society, like we, we could create some jobs. We could put them in jail. Because they're, they're going to fucking get mad that they're not doing as well and they're going to break a law, right? Mm. And since they're going to do that, we're going to put them in jail. jail. Jails create jobs. Mm. Those are jobs too. That's true. Right? Um, those are industries, mm. right? And that's essentially like, like the concept. And the weird thing about it is that we don't realize that we are a part of that. Right. And which is why, like some people who become really rich, call themselves self-made people. Right. Like they, so much. like it, it gets weird. Like no one is self-made. No, no one is self-made. I just told you that I made a, I, I, I just told you that I've studied money my whole life. And it's because people told me or guided me or introduced me mm -hmm. to things or just gave me the room to mm -hmm. do things. Right. To experiment. Like, I'm not self-made. No. Because without that, I'm not me. You know what I mean? Without those people saying, we're a car, I'll buy your DVDs. And without those, without my dad, mm. my, my dad probably knew I was taking his DVDs and selling. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was just like, he probably was just like... Good for him. You know, he, he, he probably was like, good for him. He's buying himself some nice sneakers. I'm not paying for it. Right? You know what I mean? He's not coming home. He's my not being disrespectful. My parents would have killed yeah. me if He's, I did something like my, that. My dad probably thought I was just selling the action movies. He didn't know. I, I think if my dad knew that I was selling porn in a Catholic <laughs> school, he would be like, yo, you got to fucking stop this shit. You know what I mean? He probably just thought I was selling the action movies. You know, he's Which, like, oh. I mean, you also were. I, I also was, yeah. right? But but nonetheless. What's the like, ratio on that? How much porn were you selling versus I was probably selling movies? more porn than, because yeah. like porn had higher <laughs> margins. 
Porn had higher margins. I could sell porn for five dollars more than I could sell a regular DVD. I'm glad you're here for this. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're all here for this. Yeah, Everybody yeah. Listening to this yeah, like, like it just had higher margins. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. as a result, like you know, you just how did you get the original porn DVD? My uncle was giving it to like my dad. He, your uncle was giving uh, your my, dad so porn. So my uncle, my uncle was like, "Yo, look." Here's some movies and here's some movies. Aye. And like my dad was like, "All right, great. I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make all these copies for myself and I'm gonna give them back to you, to my uncle." <laughs> and and I was like, I was like, "Cool. I'm going also." How did you make find copies. out that your dad had porn? My dad always had porn. But like, but like, how just did you in the house? Oh, like okay. In his stash. But you, as a kid, you know where everybody's stash is. You're a fucking. <laughs> well, you kid. do. You're always in everyone's fucking. I'm in everybody's stash. I'm like, where's everybody's stash? Which is why I always knew how to hide my stash. Yeah. Because I knew I could find everybody else's stash. I don't need nobody else finding my stash. So I gotta hide my stash good. <laughs> yeah. As again, I have nothing. But like, but like, this is the thing, right? Like. I'm not self-made. No. No one is self-made. No. Some somebody, something, some structure created an environment that allowed you to thrive, right? Sure, you worked hard for it. I'm not taking away your I'm not taking away the work you put in. I'm just saying that it's not all you. And this is um, something people really struggle with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, and uh, it's a it's a big American thing, the mm. self-made. The self-made, the 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 secularization of of American culture. It's just it's just weird, man. And and as a result, it makes us treat each other like like shit. You know what I mean? Like sure, like the gambling business I was running, right? Like probably wasn't wasn't making nearly as much as the DVD business, right? But like I didn't mind still running it because people found a lot of joy in it, and I was paying people that I knew didn't have that much lunch money. Like, if I was on some self-made shit, I'd be like, yo, close that shit up. That shit don't oh, make yeah. money. You know what I'm saying? Close Jeff that Bezos shit up. would never. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, close that shit up. That shit don't make money. Mm. So since it don't make money, but then, yo, what about us? Like, you was paying us. Uh, that's how I was eating lunch. That's too bad. And you learned that, too. Mm. Like, you realize that. Because I was realizing. I was like, oh, this is not really making that much money. But, like, people are enjoying it. And it's and it's giving money to people who didn't have mm-hmm. right and like that's what you have to think about when you run a business in an area when somebody closes a fucking auto plant like that's thousands that might be a hundreds or thousands of jobs closing those are lives yeah like just like those kids were coming to school they probably had their little 20 dollars a week allowance but fries at school was a dollar 25 and a burger was like three dollars right so your your 20 dollars might not make it for the week even though that was your allowance now you got this little extra money you gain. All you got to do is guard the door or watch the hallway. Make sure that the deans aren't fucking going to get other people kicked out of school. And Carl's going to pay you. You know what I'm saying? And it's lit. You yeah. know what I mean? I like, think that's what, yeah. Growing up with like a dad who's a business owner, definitely you have a very strong sense of that. And his uh, spot was in a really low socioeconomic area too. So mm-hmm. it was like, you. I definitely had a sense of that my whole life of like, oh, I see the opportunities that you're giving to like young people. Yeah. And I don't know if we've ever spoken about this on the podcast before or if we've spoken about it at all, but our sort of structure in Australia is set up like that. Have we talked about this, about the way that our minimum wage works? No. Now would probably be a good time because, you know, it's a money episode. So here you just have like a minimum wage for everybody, right? Yeah. 
in Australia, you have a minimum wage and it's set by your age. So if you're 21, you get minimum wage, which is like $22 an hour or something. It's different. So, and it's also different if you're like, if you're properly employed, like full or part-time, or if you're employed casually, you have a higher minimum wage. Oh. So let's say like the regular wage is like 20 and then you've got that, that means you have like paid time off, sick days, whatever. And then if you're casual, it's like 25. That's not the numbers, but it's like, it's around there. Yeah. Um, I don't think the gap is that big, but it's close. So, okay. So say $20 an hour is like the minimum wage. If you're 14, you make, I think it's like 40% of that. Or 30% of that. So the younger you are, the less you make. Yeah. And every year it goes up until you're 21. And then at 21, that's when it's like grown it's money. full money. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Which is a really good system because what it does is like, because that's, that's the argument people make right here. They're mm. like, oh, well, what is my like, you know, I worked at the ice cream store when I was like 15 in the summer or whatever. Yeah. And it's a really good system because it incentivizes businesses to employ people when they're young. Yes. So like somewhere like McDonald's is going to employ all 14 year olds yes. to work there and gives them work experience because it is a little bit harder to have a younger Absolutely. employee. And so by the time people get older, then they're, you know, whatever. Like, it sucked for me. I didn't get paid. So, like, when I was, when I was fucking 14, 15, mm. 16 years old, I couldn't put on my resume that I was fucking selling porn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, so I ran a gambling ring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it I was crazy. For that. When I was that age, I didn't know I was doing anything illegal. You know what I mean? You're just 14. You're like, we're making money. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not like, you know, I also shoveled snow mm. in the winter mm. with my best friend. So, like, we got snow money, too. You know what I mean? Like, we were just making money. Mm. And, like, that's how you're looking at life when you're that age. You're just like, I just want to make a little bit of extra money so I can buy some things and take girls out and buy to, to get ice cream and shit. Yeah, I do wonder if maybe the fact that I work for nothing my whole childhood has impacted me because... We, it wasn't for nothing. It was like to help support the family, which is yeah. like completely legitimate. And like, you know, I got a, I got my stepmom's old car and stuff when I finished school and I got driving lessons and all of that. Mm -hmm. But like, but, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's funny to think about just cause I had none and I couldn't get any cause I couldn't yeah. like, I don't think an illegal underground <laughs> thing would have worked but at my school. But you're not thinking it's illegal. No, but I just, it's I just not as a, yeah. a teacher would have found out. For sure. My school was very small. But, like, I think that it's just interesting. Like, I didn't even have the opportunity to make money until I was, like, older. And then it's always just been, like, a survival thing. I never, like, thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah, But definitely, yeah. like, I just I just think it's great. I'm really impressed with Australia's minimum wage system. That I think it's is, great. like, incredible. And it actually gave me some ideas. Mm. So, like, I wonder if we could even apply even more context in minimum wage in the u.s well, that's what i'm always yeah. saying to people like i don't know why this has never come up because people will always be having that same argument like republicans will be like well i don't need like a 14 year old making like 15 dollars an hour which like probably you do and it sucks for me because i was like when i was 18 and started working for someone not my dad yeah. i had like five years of work experience under yeah. my belt so it, it and i was supporting myself so it did kind of suck for me when I was 18, but I think broadly it's a decent policy and it kind of cuts out that like having employed people like and worked with people who are young. It's like, yeah, like why would I employ a 14 year old when I could have a 21 year old for the same price? You You're know right, what I mean? Right. Like you want someone who's a bit more mature. So it does incentivize businesses yeah. to kind of do that. 
Um, no, I think it's a really good system and I don't know why it's not employed more broadly. I wish it was here. Like, cause I'm thinking about it and like, you know, when, when you're 21 and mm. you just graduated undergrad, mm. people are fucking looking at your resume. Well, you're looking at the job description mm. and they're like, yeah, we want eight years experience, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, and you're like, yo, this is my first fucking job. Mm. What you mean? Whereas and like, at 21, I, I did have eight years of experience. And that's because you <laughs> had, like, you grew up in an economy that incentivized that. No, you know? it's because I grew up child labor in my family business but yes my best friend growing up also did have like she started working i think legally you're allowed to start working at 14 yeah but there's like a business there's a family business clause where if you have a family business you're allowed to work younger in the family business Ah, so i was allowed to work younger the other thing that we have which i also think is great is we have weekend rates and evening rates so like the reason we work for dad on Sundays is because on Sunday you have to pay your staff double time and a half. Mm. And so my dad would just have one like younger kid, like 15, 16 year old and me and or my brother working on Sunday. And then my dad would work. Yeah. 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 Because it's fucking expensive. So he would just have basically be paying one staff member for that day. That's why I've always worked every bank holiday all my life, all my childhood. Yeah. We would do like 10 to 12 hour shifts every bank holiday. Yeah. Every summer. So every Christmas day we used to get up in the morning, 6am and all of the kids drive to the family business and we open up the store because Christmas day is fucking expensive to have stuff. Yeah. And so we would just run the business. So every year, even so my dad doesn't have the seven day business anymore, but every year, even like years after I left home, years after I worked for dad, every Christmas day I worked every Christmas yeah. morning, get up, go to work, which is actually a pretty fun thing to do as a family. Mm-hmm. Also because like, it is kind of fun working for dad's business. I never feel like there's anything I'm going to do. That's yeah. like particular, like, cause you have a certain level of authority where you're just like, I know dad doesn't want to be bothered with this. Yeah. Just like I've, I've decided that that costs like $5, you know, whatever. Well, that was like, that was a great thing for me growing up too. Like mm. when, cause like both of my parents are entrepreneurial. Mm. So like my dad, I worked for my dad during the summer. Um, so like I, my dad ran a trucking business. So I worked for him during the summer and mm. I would like go on the routes with him. I would, you know, load up the trucks, unload the trucks. I would clean graffiti off the trucks um, shit like that. I did that during the summer, and then during the during the school year, I worked for my mom after um, practice, like after sports practice. Whether I played track or football, I'd go home and I'd work for her at her daycare, at her daycare center. So like, I was always working for family, even after making money at school. <laughs> and it was also good to like have that environment because you invest that money. What the money? Yeah. From school? I, all that money I invested it like I I either invested it or I bought like like bathing ape Avisu Nikes like and those were like different types of investments right because you know you buy like rare clothes or whatever and you get to resell them and shit Um, so I was doing that like with the money but I was also like actually investing it either investing it in other businesses Mm -hmm. or like I would give it to my dad to like buy stocks for me because I wanted to buy stocks in the companies I was seeing in the paper because I would see good headlines. Wait, are you the oldest child? I'm Youngest. the oldest. You're I'm the, the oldest? oldest? Yeah. How do you even deal with a child like you? <laughs> I don't know what I would do if my kid was like, hey, I'm going to buy some stocks. Like I would go to my dad. I'm like, yo, dad, can <laughs> Like, cause he would tell me, he'd be like, yo, yeah. Like, so, you know, you could own a piece of these companies that you read about. And I'm like, how do I do that? And he's like, you can't do that cause you're 14. (laughs) 
<laughs> but like, but like, I could do it. I, if you give me your money, I'll do it for you. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, and he was like, what company do you want to buy? And I was like, I want to buy McDonald's. And he was like, why do you want to buy McDonald's? I was like, I don't know yet. Like, I, I like eating it. And he was like, that's not a reason to buy a stock. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So, which is probably why they don't let 14 year olds buy stocks, by word. the way. <laughs> exactly. So I like went to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to McDonald's after school, like my freshman year, and like I ate at McDonald's. I looked around at McDonald's, like, and like I was just looking at how people were working there and shit. And then, like, I went outside and then, like, I looked at the Golden Arches again, and then, like, it said one billion served. And I was like, I just bought a McChicken for a dollar. And like, if you serve a billion people a McChicken for a dollar, that's a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. I got to buy the stock. So, so, so I went back. So I went back to my dad and my, I was like, yo, I'm ready to buy McDonald's. And he was like, why do you want a McDonald's? Why do you want McDonald's stock? And I was like, they serve a billion people. I was like, yo, they got a dollar menu. Everything's a dollar. And they serve a billion people. That's a billion dollars. I want a piece of that. And he was like, that is actually a sound reason. Like, Obviously, you know, I'm 14, so he's not expecting me to, like, you know, analyze companies and know about the supply chain and all that other shit. But he's like, this is a sound argument. This person is thinking about dollars and cents Mm -hmm. and how that comes together and equates to more money. And he wants to own a piece of that. Are your siblings like this? He knows good business. No, my siblings are the exact opposite of who I am. Okay. All of them. (laughs) I am the only one like this. How many siblings do you have? Um, I have... Two brothers, three sisters. And none of them are like None you. of them are like this. <laughs> none of them. My oldest brother is a uh, copywriter. He writes ads. My sister, so my oldest sister, she's in grad school studying to be a physician assistant. My middle sister, she is um, in school right now. She's studying child psychology. My youngest sister is in high school, and the youngest brother is a freshman in college. He's studying like gaming. So wait, three boys, three girls. Oh yeah, well I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm the third boy. Yeah, that's yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. But separate parents. So like my dad had two girls and a boy, and my mom had two boys and a girl. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we have so really I'm the similar only families. Person, yeah, I'm the only person of my mom and my dad's um, marriage, like their relationship. I'm the only person. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That might also explain why I'm like very, very different than them. But but I grew up, we all grew up in the same environment. Yeah. Because like my dad would drop off my siblings to my mom's house. Like his kids, he would drop them off to my mom's house. So we all like grew up together. I was just fucking always into this type of shit. So wait, your dad and your mom had you, and then yeah. they went off and had separate partners and marriages, yes. but yes. that you all all of the kids hung together. Yes. That's so cool. My dad played cards with my stepdad every two days. That's like, awesome. When my dad died, my stepdad was upset, not only because my dad died, but he was like, I'm never going to fucking beat this guy in this <laughs> card game. like he literally said that at the funeral he's like i'm never gonna beat this guy he's dead now he beat me every time he came over and now he's dead (laughs) (laughs) i'm never gonna have my chance (laughs) that's so that's so good though that's so healthy yeah it's a healthy child i have like a full brother one full brother 
but we have siblings on both sides. So I have a brother and sister on one side and two sisters on the other side and they don't know each other. Yeah. They've never met ever. Wow. And that's like, to me, I'm like, that's insane. And I can tell when they're talking about it, that they think it's insane. Yeah. Of course. They live in different cities even, but like, they're like, uh, the three youngest are all girls and they're 20. Well, I think Rosie just turned 22. So like, they're like all 18 months apart. They're all within 18 months. I think Rosie and Lizzie are like 19 months apart. Wow. They're close in age too. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So my, like, so I'm what, 35 this year. My brother's 33. And then Sam is 25 this year. My brother. And then my sisters are 22, 21 and 21. Rosie's nine months old, whatever. Elizabeth and Tamika, my two youngest sisters are three months apart. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Not even. Two, that's three months in, apart. And they don't know each other. They don't know each other. That's fucking weird. Isn't man. it weird? And I yeah. know when they talk about it, they're like, they think it's weird. They're yeah. like, you have, you are my sister. Yeah. You have brother and sister. We share the same blood. We have the same ancestors. Like, well, we do not. But we don't know each other. That's no. very weird. Well, they don't share blood. But, but like, you know. But I'm, we share blood. Yeah. Mm. But like, it's. I think it's weird, obviously. I think it's weird. I grew up in that type of environment. I'm sure that there are other people from other areas and other environments that think that stuff's perfectly normal. Oh, no. I think that probably the way that it, like, happened with my family is probably not uncommon. But, like, to me, I find it very, like, I find it very strange. But they're very, they grew up very different. Yeah. Like, very different. Like, I don't know if I can use this word, but, like, it's the be- most effective way to, like, explain it. I have to code switch between families. Yeah. It's very different, like, both of them. Yeah. Like, I have to behave, like, very... It's a very different environment. Well, my both. siblings grew up very different than mm. me because of the age difference. So, like, I'm the only person that, like, grew up in a city, mm-hmm. in New York City. You know, so I'm sure that that type of environment like really made me a certain way versus the way they grew up. Like Mm. my siblings are all more, they're more right brained than left brained. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they're more of the folks who like, like to deal with art and like, like to deal with the design and the creation of things. And I'm a person who's like very math based, who's very technical, who looks for like trends Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Who looks like statistics, the way that, my parents invested in me versus the way my parents invested in my siblings was mm. different as well because of the different interests. So like my brother, he got more support in sports because my parents saw that he liked sports even more than I did. Right. But me, when I was growing up, I had a, I had a tutor at like a home at a chalkboard in my room growing up and like, you know, I had a tutor and all this, and and I played piano because I was like really, you know, technical, mm. and piano was like numbers to me. So like that type of that's how my parents invested in me, right? Um, so so the upbringing was very different. Younger kids get off so fucking easy too. They do. They yeah. get it easy. Being the oldest also is like a lot of pressure. Well, your parents are also just figuring it out. You're the oh first yeah, one. my parents like had no fucking idea. They're like, yeah, we fucked Bless up here. Them. They tried, but like. <laughs> It was like a period of time when my dad, I think we've talked about this before, where he wanted me to be a police officer. Yeah. Like sometimes I was, it's just like he, he would get an idea in his head about how it should be. Yeah. And then he would be like you. And I'm like, I am not an ordinary child. Like I'm kind of like a weirdo. Yeah. We need to act accordingly to that. Yeah. Anyway, we should take an ad break. Sure. Yeah. And then talk about tax.
We're back. All right. Yeah. So some people don't believe in paying taxes. Some people believe that taxes are unconstitutional. You know what's crazy? <laughs> okay, I love you. Just came in there, no foreplay, nothing. You're just like, all right, this is how people. Yeah, yeah, are, they, yeah. This is how they feel. Yeah, I'm trying to fuck. Yeah, exactly. No. Okay. So here's the thing. I I've had a conversation. This conversation with quite a lot of Australians actually, because it's interesting. I never really cared that much about paying tax until I lived here. Yeah. And the reason is because you get nothing for it. Like all we're doing is funding the fucking military. Like in Australia, I pay tax, but I have like public healthcare. I have, and that's, we can talk about the way that we fund our public healthcare. Cause I think that's really interesting, but we have public healthcare. We have roads that are, you can walk on without tripping. I know it's a crazy concept, but like there's not cracks in our pavement. We like have infrastructure and stuff that we pay for with our taxes. Like you can, in Australia, like you can see your tax at work in your community. Yeah. You get what I mean? You're like, cool. I can see where my tax money is going and my tax money is going to this, 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 and this. And my life is like better because of it. Right? Like social security services and whatever. There's less homeless people on the street. You're feeling safer. You know what I mean? Whereas here I take issue with it both because I can't vote. And secondly, because I just know where that money's going and it's all going to the military, which we're going to talk about next week. And you pay heaps of tax. Everybody in America is like, Low tax, low tax. I pay so much fucking tax here. I don't think I ever paid so much tax in my life. Yeah, it's it's weird because like governments in the United States tend to be bad. Like they they they're bad. They're they're not good. We have a from very a, poorly a, incentivized system. Yeah, from an efficiency standpoint, it's like really bad. So mm. like, there's a bidding system, and for government contracts across the board. And, like, those processes are really fucked up because they actually just favor people who have relationships in the government versus people who actually can do the job most efficiently and at lowest cost. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, there's incentives to continue doing the work as long as possible because you're paid in that type of structure instead of actually getting the job done as quick as possible. That's why I hate hourly fucking work, man. Um, I think it's so much better to pay like delivery for a service than hourly work. It just encourages like bullshit like this. Yeah. But, but the other thing too is like the United States is in a very precarious position where we have what, 300 million people and uh, we provide a lot of social services, right? Even though we provide them poorly, but we provide a lot of them and we also give a lot of government subsidies um, and the subsidies eat up the budget in a ridiculous way. There's a committee called the Ways and Means Committee, and that's probably the most powerful committee, like that's the most powerful committee in the United States, period. Mm-hmm. They decide like how taxpayer money is used, where it's distributed, how it's distributed, period. Like if you're sitting on a Ways and Means, you're like a boss um, politician. And usually like lots of politicians do everything they can to get there. That's the reason why politicians stay in office as long as they can, because they hope that one day they could join the ways and means committee, Mm. um, because there's always a limited amount of seats on there. Mm. So from a tax perspective, like the way we tax is really weird, right? Um, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, we need to talk about the turbo tax lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, the way we collect tax is weird. Mm. So um, what we do is we have people report tax. Mm. You have to report what you've earned. And then um, when you report, the IRS 
either pays you money that they owe you or you pay the IRS money you owe. That's not so unusual, though. We have the same. I think that that must be like from the British system because we have the same in Australia. It's just infinitely easier and we don't have. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the complicated. Yeah, I'm talking about the complication. Yeah. How complicated it is. Yeah, because. Is what's weird. Yes. Yes. Because in Australia, I go on, I have like one government portal for every single thing I need in the government. Mm -hmm. My, My healthcare, I've got all my vaccination records on there. My social security, when I had it, like all of it is on the same portal and I log into the portal and I take five minutes and I do my taxes. And basically it's like, so your employer would upload it to the system anyway. So it pretty much automatically comes through. And then you just have to report like any other extra things that might that, not have that, showed up on that. Yeah. But really as someone who doesn't own property or have stocks or whatever, it takes me literally five minutes, like boom, 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 done. Yeah. Tax return done. You get money back or you don't. And that's it. Whereas here, TurboTax has lobbied the government for years to not do that so that they can fucking make money off of people. Makes me so mad. Yeah. You know, but that's the other part of government inefficiency. Mm. Lobbying, right? Lobbying is also another part of government inefficiency. But that's also your taxpayer dollars at work. But nonetheless, also we, we tax on a state level. We tax significantly less on a state level. And states can also enforce certain tax laws under their jurisdiction if they'd like it. Um, But typically what tends to happen is if you're a state that enforces a tax law that people don't like, they'll just move to the neighboring state. So you almost have to, you almost have to force the neighboring state to follow your, your tax policy in order for your thing to really be effective. The other thing too, is um, a lot of social security is taken out of people's checks. You don't talk about that enough. Explain. Uh, so like you pay toward your retirement, your social, you pay social security. Oh yeah. And some people so like, this... I would assume you pay social security, but you don't benefit from social security. No, that pisses me off. And yeah. I looked into it cause I was like, surely I should not have to pay into this system. You got to. That I literally like cannot benefit. You're from. paying for me. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. And that's why I get so fucking angry. <laughs> cause like, okay, imagine yeah. this. Okay. So far this year on my immigration costs, and like I say me, but like my business is taking care of it, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But so far this year on immigration alone, I've spent, or like the business has spent three and a half thousand dollars for me to get, like this is towards me getting my green card. Now on top of that, I paid like thousands of dollars in tax last year. I still pay thousands of dollars. I'll pay thousands of dollars in tax this year, even more tax because I'm making more money. And I benefit zero from that. Like mm. I cannot, I cannot vote. I cannot get social security or anything. New York state is a little bit better than other places. There are actually things that are set up here for people who are not necessarily like, you know, citizens. It's not all like New York as a city, New York city, like it, it's more about if you're a resident of New York than if you're like from here, but it's really, really frustrating. Yeah. And the other thing that is insane, which we've spoken about before is that, you, Americans get taxed who live overseas. Yeah. Like, I don't pay tax to the Australian government right now. And I go back and I use the hell out of their healthcare. I'm like, fuck Not yeah. here, buddy. Give me everything. Like, Not literally, here. I go there and I, like, dose up on everything and come back to America. Yeah, pay up. The other thing is that we have this, like, very, very robust, I would say extensive tax system. Mm. Um, with credits, with descriptions of certain things, with... You know, you can pay tax for this. You don't have to pay that tax for that. A lot of incentives mm-hmm. to incentivize people to 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 do certain actions. 
um, or invest in certain places or, you know, pick up a workforce or whatever. Philanthropy is very, very heavily like incentivized. And just like owning a business means you can pretty much fucking like write everything off all the time. That's because your business is supposed to create jobs and jobs supposed to give people other money Mm. and money. That money's supposed to circulate in the economy. But that's fucking not how it works. You you know, (laughs) you know how much taxes I would have saved in high school if I was paying taxes. Out here buying porn as a business expense. Like, look, I'm hiring people at school, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird, like, I I think it's just not run properly. And we had a lot of innovation from the technological side. So now it really it's time for people in the government to kind of make a decision to actively participate in making it more efficient but like you said there's a there's lobbies there's lobbies lobbying against that right so okay let's talk about healthcare because i think it's an interesting way to come at it like in tax per person i every person in america in tax pays more towards healthcare than i do in australia if that makes sense the spending per person, so it's not because like obviously America would have more money in the healthcare system because it's a bigger country, but on a per- personal level, like per person, more money is put into the healthcare system in America than there is in Australia. But in Australia, we have public healthcare. And so it's just like the money but that goes into people. these things. No, 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 no. I'm saying per person. Oh, per, like, per, per capita. This isn't, okay. Yeah, per capita. Like this isn't a, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hungover. My brain's not breaking. Mm-hmm. But like per capita, there is more money put into the healthcare system by every person in America mm. than there is in Australia. And yet there is no public health care. Yeah. So it's like, it's such a, it's such a huge beast of a thing because the issue is, is that you pay the administrators too much and the people who are working in the healthcare system, well, they need to be paid because the schooling system is so expensive and they need to pay off their student loans, which is also another fucking like disaster system. And then the pharmaceutical companies have like, they're fucking wilding with prices. And so the cost of pharmaceutical goods is expensive. And so even though all this money has been pumped into this thing that doesn't need to cost this much money because it doesn't cost that much money in Australia, nothing you get nothing for it. So you're paying so much money for this fucking inefficient bullshit system. It's just frustrating. It so, is. Yeah, and, yeah. and you can also, and again, like another idea, and like I don't know if this is a better system or not. I've heard different perspectives from different people but again if we're talking about the idea of you not having like a choice or you wanting to like whatever Australia again we have a system that I think makes a lot of sense which is if you make less than $90,000 a year your Medicare like so you basically have like a Medicare levy and I'm pretty sure it's like 1% of your total taxable income so at the end of the year when you're doing your taxes it'll be like your Medicare levy was 1% and so when you hit over $90,000 a year, it jumps up to 2% because it's trying to incentivize you to go into the private system. I'm doing this all from memory, so it could be not exactly right, but I think this is correct. So at at $90,000, it says, okay, well, you're making enough money that you should be putting your money into private healthcare and taking the burden off the public system. So we're going to charge you a 2% levy. So you'll go out and buy private health insurance. So like, again, it's like this very sensible system of like, okay, we don't want to overburden the public system, but we're going to provide like a base level of care. And then we're going to encourage rich people to go and like do the private thing. And it's just like so many of these things. It's the same thing with higher education loans. Government pays for your education. 
And then once you make over $55,000 a year, they take it out as a 4% tax of your tax return. So like, I don't know. It's just like the way you're finding, like I love living in New York. I love it. But the way your financial system works and the way your taxes works drives me insane. I just gave you we, so much information. Yeah, we sorry. Don't, yeah, we don't overhaul systems in, in the US. We add on systems. So what we'll say is, hey, like, you know, we want to change something. And what we'll do is we'll say, we'll write a new law mm. and the new law will have a clause in it that will make the old law defunct, but it won't completely remove the system that has existed that allowed that industry to exist. So in terms of pharma, big pharma, right? Mm. Like big pharma Big Pharma justifies their prices because they say that they spend years doing clinical trials. They spend years doing research. They spend years paying for the world's best scientists and doctors and whatever to create these, to create this new technology, to create this innovation that people are going to benefit from. So they should price it a certain way to reap a return from it. But that's that's their that's their. No, no, I understand that. But the thing yeah. that always drives me mad about this like narrative and these conversations is that that's not where most like innovation is coming from. Like so much of innovation in like and like Melbourne, where I lived in mm -hmm. Australia, is like one of the biggest biotech like mm -hmm. places in the world. Yeah, and most innovation stuff, like most of the innovative stuff, comes from universities and government institutions yeah. from government spending and then someone comes along and packages it up better and it's like innovation well well when you say university sometimes it is government spending but sometimes it isn't oh in australia they're one and the same okay so like well, in the u.s in universities it isn't government spending but more often like yeah like you can get research grants from private institutions and whatnot in australian universities but universities are very heavily funded by the government. Yeah, so like mm -hmm. here in the in the US, like many universities have endowment funds. Oh yeah, yeah, it's different. And then, so like so mm -hmm. that's happening. Then also like you have the research grants mm -hmm. and also um what these industries do is they create like not necessarily trade unions, but they create like uh, uh trade organizations and they fund those trade organizations not only to do research and to like get fellows and stuff, but to also fund universities mm. that are doing that research. So they're using their money to then get research from that angle as well. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I'm not saying it as a, I'm defending pharma. No, I'm just no, saying not that at all. No, that's, that's their I'm, argument to justify. I'm not saying justify. that you're making yeah. that argument. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying I, that I just wanted to make bullshit. it clear to the listeners too, because <laughs> I don't want them to be like, is this motherfucker a pharma simp? No, I am not a pharma simp. But what I'm saying though is... Mm. Because I, I had to study this because I, I invested in a pharma company. Mm -hmm. I invested in a number of pharma companies. So I had to understand how they spend their money and how they make their money. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, there is a, a whole ecosystem attached to this. That's why they're trying to justify these prices, mm -hmm. even though there are inefficiencies that also increase the price within the supply chain. Mm. And, and a lot of the inefficiencies are in this like discretionary gray area between pharma agents that are selling drugs 
and like doctors offices insurance companies and hospitals mm. like that's where the inefficiencies start to lie and that's it's where you see the prices just giving that's where five dollar dvds and then it's not it 10. becomes a whole other mm-hmm. thing because there's like this whole rebate system mm-hmm. right and the thing is the higher you pay for the drug the higher the rebate the insurance company gives so now as a hospital, you're like, oh, I'm actually incentivized to pay more for the drug. You know what I mean? Because the insurance company is going to pay a higher rebate. It gets really nasty really quickly. And that's the reason why you see these prices This is kind the reason why I'm terrified of ending up in hospital here. And mm-hmm. I used to have, and I don't have it right now. And I don't know. I, I may well get it again, but I used to have... Uh, an evacuation clause on my health insurance. So I'm insured by a company that's not in America. Mm -hmm. And I had an an emergency evacuation, uh, medical evacuation as part of my insurance. And I did that very specifically because I was like, if something bad happens, I want them to get me the fuck out of here. And that's exactly what they would do. They would be like, okay, cool. We're going to take you to the closest civilized country for healthcare, basically. And take you to Canada. Yeah, they'll take me to Canada. And I would way rather be there because when I walk into like any medical place here, I just never believe they have my best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you want to make money from me. And I'm sure that's not true. And I know doctors and I know, you know, that they, a lot lot go in for the right reasons, but I just never know who I'm getting. And it just doesn't feel like healthcare is the first priority. And you have this crazy system of like, it's just a disaster system. It's not like preventative. Like in Australia, we're preventative. You know, I was getting dizzy. I probably, it was probably the after effects of getting COVID in in March, 2020. My doctor sent me in for a bunch of tests, cost nothing for me, was totally covered by like, you know, the public system because she was just worried if there was just any small chance that something could be wrong, that she would want to catch it now. Like, I don't know. It's just like, well, there. So like many hospitals now are finding that it's their quote unquote responsibility to help create environments locally to like push preventative care. What I used to do at a local hospital is like uh, basically create an economic system that would help lower sickness rates. Mm. So like, how does the hospital invest in the local community and create jobs? Because if people have jobs, then they're less likely to get sick, mm. right? Like, or how do we invest in helping create and um, build apartment buildings for lower income people that don't have lead paint in it? Mm. Because if it because lead paint leads to X issues or whatever. How do we invest in the education system as a hospital, right? Like Mm. that's um, essentially like what hospitals are starting to do now. Mm. And they have this thing called the healthcare anchor network where like all these hospitals are sharing different ideas that they're doing across the U S to help improve like preventative care conditions in but that's their what government areas. should be doing well like, government that's my point it's like government, government sucks yeah. it's inefficient yeah Welcome. okay so how we're gonna like <laughs> end the episode and but that's anyways, that's the perfect no, 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 ending though government sucks because we're gonna throw this fact out as a teaser for next episode 42.2 cents of every income tax dollar funds the military yeah 42.2 cents on the dollar of what you're paying in tax. And that's what fucking kills me. Half of it pays for the war and then other payments go on like debt. And then it's only like three fifths of a cent go to veterans. Benefits. How else is Joe Biden supposed to protect every country in the planet? 
<laughs> I, we're leaving it there. We're, leaving it. That's it. we're done. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Cult America is co-hosted and produced by us, Lisa Charlotte and Carl Joseph Black. Our production partner is Three Springs Media. Our research assistant is Thea Smith and our artwork is by Estella Illustrated. Soundtrack is by King Virtue and So Soon. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps. We release bonus episodes there where we cover American movies. You can get in touch with us at cultusapod.com. You can leave comments on the episodes or you can contact us through the contact form. You can also find us on Twitter at cultusapod. If you want to be featured in an upcoming episode please send a voice clip to the email address in our show notes and that's it see you later all right my ancestors ain't died for me to be taking shit from no crackers you want me to preach peace but my frequency is on ratchet don't want to protest when a whole ratchet don't want a whole tep a whole balance every chant for white lies a rant of white lies so we show them that black lives matter last night i had a dream the cops were harassing me